particular day of my life was when I was seven years old, and three different people during playtime asked me to be their best friend. I know, I know. Now, I was a little bit suspicious because this incredibly specific request hadn't really been made that much before, and I'd always thought, even as a seven-year-old, that perhaps friendships were a little bit more organic than just like putting in a formal request and saying, will you be my best friend? Um, like, you need to schedule it in the diary. Um, but anyway, by the end of lunchtime, these two separate groups, one of them I think had just bowed out the race, you know? It was a tough competition. Um, by the end of lunchtime play, um, these two separate groups had a hold of an arm each and were pulling in opposite directions. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was to try and convince me to play with them. Maybe it was because they wanted to show their commitment or their interest. But either way, um, looking back, you know, I was like, stop, stop. Uh, <laughs> but it, either way, I'm, I'm not quite sure now of the ramifications, because as you can see, my arms are extraordinarily long. So I'd like to ask anyone who may know whether bones can stretch at the age of seven. Let's not try it, but yeah, maybe that's it. Or maybe it was because they were trying to hurt, I don't know what the reasons were. But basically, for me, that was the most popular day of my life, apart from maybe today with the ridiculous, amazing flowers. Um, so yeah, you may not have had three people in one day ask you to be their best friend, but have you ever ended up being friends with someone that you never expected to end up being friends with? Have you ever ended up being friends with someone who's just way out of your league? I oh, know, I don't really get it either. <laughs> I, I'm not going to comment on it because that's not what it's about. But anyway, have you ever been friends with someone who's just way out of your league? Who you were kind of like, oh, I thought you were like really cool and now we're friends. But okay, let's just go with that. Um, but today as we begin our series on heroes of the faith, we're going to examine someone who went one better than even... Three best friends of us in one day, one playtime really. Um, he went bigger and higher than you are, you or I could possibly have ever done in winding up with friends with someone who's way out of his league. This guy was the first in the whole Bible to be called explicitly. This is like a big drum roll, isn't it? To be called explicitly, duh, duh, uh, to be called explicitly um, God's friend. Um, and to be friends with God, the creator of the universe, is something to be wondered at. It's something magnificent and weird and extraordinary. And it makes this person that we're going to talk about today a true hero of the faith. And this person is Moses. Um, enjoy the, semi, the really dramatic picture. Um, Exodus 33 says, The Lord would speak to Moses... Face to face, as one does with a friend. Moses is the guy whose story we find throughout the book of Exodus in the Bible. And this story is one of friendship with God. God chooses and befriends and partners with Moses to lead God's people, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt. God chooses and befriends and partners with Moses to lead this whole nation for the remainder of his lifetime. God chooses and befriends and partners with Moses to lead the people towards the promised land and to build the tabernacle, which was like a temple place, for, God to, for God's own presence to like live with them permanently. 
God provides practically for Moses. God trusts Moses to represent him in front of kings and nations. He speaks to him and God discusses his strategies, his own strategies for the ultimate redemption of humankind with Moses. Moses is friends with God. Um, Now this really is hero of the faith stuff. Like surely nothing is greater or more worthy of honour than being friends with the creator of everything. But it's not a myth or a legend from the distant past. It's not something that's even out of our reach. Jesus, in John 15, calls us his friends. You are my friends, he says, if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from the Father, I have made known to you. Talk about being way out of our league. We, us, we get to be friends with God. So God, through Jesus, chooses and befriends and partners with us too, like Moses. God lets us in on the plans and the working out of leading others into freedom too, of building with him, of being provided for by him, of representing him to kings and to nations and to the whole world. And with us, he discusses and shares his strategies for the ultimate redemption of the whole of humankind. Everything that Jesus learned from the Father, he has made known to us if we are his followers. God wants to be friends with you. And with me, thank goodness. And if that's all you take away from today, then that's probably enough to chew on for the rest of your life. But as I've been delving into this further, this idea of friendship with God, that being a standout heroic thing, but something that we all get to do too. I reckon there's even more to delve into. And I believe that by looking at this true story of friendship between Moses and God, the first friendship of its kind between tiny, little, imperfect humanity and massive, great, big creator God, we will see more of who God is and how he sees us And we will understand that heroes of the faith are not perfect and they are no more set up for success or faith than we are. But in fact, they are heroes because they're the opposite. And so we have something to relate to and something to learn from. We can be friends with God, but Moses did it first. So let's have a look at our hero, Moses, in action, in friendship with God, shall we? So um, if you want to open your Bibles on your tables, we're looking at Exodus 33. Um, And we're going to be kind of jumping around the whole of Exodus, um, but it's a good one to have open, actually. Go on, shout out page number someone. 
Dan's not sure he's got the right hip. There you go, 62, everyone. Exodus 33, verses 12 to 18. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, 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 let's say Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favour with me. So if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favour with you. Remember, remember God, that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now... Show me your glory. And if you were to read the whole of Exodus, you'd see that throughout this whole book, there's this amazing, standout, almost shocking dialogue going on the whole time between God and Moses. Where essentially Moses kind of states his terms, said, this is what I need from you. And God goes, okay, friend. It's this brilliant negotiation between God and Moses that signifies their friendship. This is face-to-face, honest communication, where there's this weird, like, push and shove, to and fro that seems almost dangerous. It's almost a dangerous thing to talk about in this context because I'm like, negotiate with God, but also don't, because you're not supposed to tell God what to do, right? But Moses just cracks on and negotiates with him. Similarly, earlier in the chapter before, um, so 32, um, Moses actually convinces God, convinces him. God's on the edge of doing something, and Moses goes, whoa, 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 don't wipe out Israel, even though they built a golden calf and worshipped someone else about 30 seconds after you rescued them. It's like this awkwardly short amount of time after they've been rescued, but God lets Moses in on his plan and gives him the power to influence it and to shape it. And Moses says, do not bring disaster on your people. And so God doesn't. And this same sort of negotiation, this dangerous negotiation, also happens in Exodus 3, in their first get-together at the burning bush. And you can flip across to it now if you like, because we're going to be looking at that too. Um, Ten seconds. If you haven't got it, tough. Um, So, God appears in flames that burn, but do not consume. The glory and the power of God is radiating from a very small shrub, potentially. (laughs) The holiness of God is so intense and pure that Moses can barely get near it. And then God calls Moses by name. Moses. Moses. 
Now, if you were Moses, you'd be like, I literally just came over to see what was happening with a bush, and now I think I might be meeting the divine, who I've not really met before, I don't really know yet, and I'm not sure that anyone's really met him in this way before. But just think of the significance and the power of this event, of this appearance of God, and how much we long for God to show up and burn and reveal his power and tell us very specifically what to do next with our lives. And Moses' answer? Not really sure. Not really sure you've really thought this through, God. This guy, Moses, who is apparently inarticulate and has a speech impediment, actually negotiates, even in this incredible and overwhelming encounter with God. There's still this to and fro, push and shove. And even though it's Moses' excuses and his fear that this time are driving the conversation, but Moses does actually draw God out. He sees and hears more of God, of his name, his purposes, his plans, because of negotiating, because of pushing into what God is saying. Moses comes back to God each time saying, who am I to do this? Who are you and and what's what's your name? What if they don't believe me? And I can't convince them, I, I can't do this. I'm not eloquent and I'm not qualified. And then finally he says, oh Lord, please send someone else. In both situations, in chapter 3 and 33, in the burning bush and the face-to-face negotiation chat, in both, God has shared his plan in some way with Moses and invited him to respond. And in both situations, Moses responds by pushing into what God has said, questioning it, digging into it, negotiating with it. And Moses doesn't do this perfectly, I'm purposefully using this word negotiation because it isn't perfect, because it is a little bit, oh, we're not sure whether it's okay. I'm not telling you to go home and set your terms and hold on and be like, I'm not going to obey you unless you follow my rules. I'm not saying that you know or I know any better than God. I'm not saying that um, we need to make God like more reasonable or that he needs our input. What I'm saying is God wants our input. He wants us to be involved in shaping his plans. In Gethsemane, Jesus, before he's crucified, um, Jesus knows the plan. He knows what's going to happen. He knows he's going to die. But still he goes, Lord, if you could take this cup away from me, this cup of suffering. If there's another way that we could do this, that's negotiation. He isn't like, I'm not going to do it unless you change the plan, because I'm not into that. But he's like, this is not easy. This is how I actually feel. I know you said this, but I just want to check in with you again. (laughs) But he still obeys. That's the kind of negotiation I'm talking about. Do you see what I mean? Go on, nod. Paul Bryan is nodding. There's still hope. (laughs) The rest of you, dear me. Um, (laughs) What I'm saying is, is that God allowed it to happen with Moses twice. He allows him to negotiate, and that has to be significant. In fact, he allows him to do even more than that. He lets him in on the plan. And just as Jesus defines friendship in John 15, he makes his plans known to them. He makes his plans known to Moses, and he allows him to join in with it. In chapter 3, God's angry, but he allows Moses to have Aaron to partner with. 
In chapter 33, God does exactly what Moses asks. And it's not as easy as just right and wrong with this negotiation stuff. It's just not a case of, oh, you're not really meant to do this, you're not really meant to do that. Just actually engage with who God is as a friend. In the first situation, which I want to look at now, Moses is negotiating from fear and escapism in that last-ditch attempt, almost Gethsemane-like, of, oh, Lord, please send someone else. Yet in the, first, the, in the last instance, in 33, he's like, show me your glory. Can you believe that this is the same person? Send somebody else. Have you ever felt like this? Because I have, all the time. It might be something like speaking up in your workplace against stuff that you know isn't okay. And you're like, send somebody else to do it, God. That's too weird, that's too scary. I don't want to be the weird one. It might be that God's like, come on, step up in your job. Do better. Work as if working for me, and you're like, oh, or stay in bed longer. Or it might be about changing the way that you're raising your kids. Or it might be that God set you a challenge to nip that habit in the bud. Ah, send somebody else. Do you know what? It's just a bit too hard. Send somebody else. Or maybe it's actually getting help for a life-controlling issue. Maybe it's admitting that you've been pretending to be fine. And it's so embarrassing to have to confront that or tell someone. Send somebody else. It might not be something that you have to do. It might be just the total unrecognition of of who God is asking you to become. Maybe it's the self-control that he's wanting to discipline in you. Or the call to the next level of obedience. Maybe it's it's letting God into the painful or even just like the mundane stuff of life. Or maybe it's just getting yourself free, like wading out of living by your feelings all the time. Or the forgiveness he's asking you to experience and to pour out over, over other people. Or the decisiveness. Send, send someone else, God. Send someone else. And you're just saying to God, I don't see the person that you're asking me to be, God. Send somebody else more qualified, more eloquent, more self-controlled, more fun, more smart, more brave. More Christian, more convinced, more faithful. As you might be able to tell, I haven't got this down at all. And the thing is, what's really tempting is I, is I could talk about how Moses transforms from a send somebody else person into a show me your glory person. I could give you this beautiful, linear, neat progression of start back, gets good, what a guy. And I could ask you, are you a send somebody else person? Be a show me your glory person. And that actually wouldn't be wrong and it wouldn't be incorrect. But I sense that today God has something else to say to us. I think that God wants to tell us today that the send somebody else person is the show me your glory person. They are one and the same. 
It's the same guy. Moses has grown and changed. Let's not forget that God has transformed him. But he's still the same guy. And if you look at these two situations, we can see that Moses, in the whole of 30 chapters of Exodus, hasn't stopped negotiating. God hasn't quashed it or stopped sharing his ideas and plans with Moses. He's still including Moses in the shaping of his strategies for the ultimate redemption of humankind. And we can see this because of the negotiations still going on. It's the mark of friendship with God. It's still there. It's the common link. Moses negotiates from fear as a send somebody else person. And negotiates as a send me or show me your glory person. Do you know what? I just refuse to believe that we just grow into someone who's like, show me your glory God, it's so easy. I refuse to believe that God calls us into a place where all of a sudden we get comfortable and we're like, ah, man, it's just not a challenge anymore to follow Jesus. You know when you get to like level 10 or you level 9 is? It's just so easy to follow him, right? No, I I refuse to believe that God does that. I think he keeps calling us out. We step out of one comfort zone into the next. Oh, look, I've settled down here for about nine months. We have to step out of the next and out of the next. God does not leave you sitting stagnant in your next comfort zone, having called you out the last one. He keeps calling us forward. So like I said, it's not a linear progression. As we ask to see more glory, God calls us into a place where we start to feel uncomfortable. Where we we see his glory because we're like, I need to see some glory. Where we're thinking, I'm not capable of this. Oh, hold on, I don't have this down. Oh my goodness, maybe don't show me your glory. Maybe send someone else instead. And as we ask God, send somebody else. I don't want to. I don't want to do it. I can't do it. He ends up showing us his glory as he transforms us from glory into glory. He makes us capable in him and draws us towards becoming more like Jesus. Do you see what I mean? So it's like, you're saying to someone else, oh, I'm seeing your glory. Oh, actually, I want to see more glory. Oh, maybe not, because actually, it looks quite uncomfortable. It's not a linear progression. I've spent so long waiting for God to make me the big, brave kind of person who won't ask him to send somebody else anymore. I've asked it in all my talks, in the difficult coffee chats. I've asked him when I've had to make big decisions. I've asked him in good stuff and in tough stuff. And in just really boring habit stuff. I've asked him in relationships. I've just wanted to be this person who just won't be afraid anymore. Or someone who just want him more. I'm like, oh, I really wish I was like hungry for, for Jesus. Or I'm like, oh, do you know what it is? I just need more instructions. I'm just going to wait here for my exact instructions of what to do. And I've been wasting my time. He is not going to call me out of one comfort zone only to settle down in it. He's not going to make me into the kind of person where all of a sudden... I'm capable of doing God's work by myself. 
He's going to keep calling me out. Calling me out. Show me your glory. Send someone else. Show me more glory. Maybe send someone else. Do you want to waste your time any longer? Have you been waiting, like me, for God to make you a show-me-your-glory person? Stop wasting your time. Because you already are a show-me-your-glory person. And I can tell you that because the, the very fact that you're saying and negotiating with God to say, send someone else, send someone else, means that you can still use those negotiating powers to actually go, hmm, maybe, maybe I want to see some glory too. It's one and the same. So Moses was a hero of the faith because he's both a send somebody else person and he's a show me your glory person. Not because he's a show me your glory person alone. God didn't go, bing, hero of the faith when he says show me your glory. He's a hero from day one. And we see it through his negotiation with God in his fearful negotiation and his bold negotiation. And so this week, I want to leave you with both an affirmation and a challenge. I really wanted to do something like have a post-it note, have a mirror, I don't know, have a chocolate. But I couldn't think of anything because it's too, it's too random. So <laughs> I'm just going to chat to you now as if we're having coffee. Picture us across the table. I've got my tall, half-shot, skinny caramel macchiato. You've got your glass of water or something. I'm not that cheap, don't worry. And, um, and I, wanna, I want you to remember this and remember this affirmation and this challenge going into this week and into this series. Firstly, your challenge is to negotiate. Stop waiting for the perfect, detailed instructions to drop into your head from God and instead dangerously negotiate with what he's already said. And before you say, what is he saying? He's speaking right now. I'm not God, no. Um, but he's, he's... No. Um, he's speaking right now. He's speaking through his word. He's speaking through other people. If you're not sure what he's saying or you wish he talked to you more, start by reading the Bible awkwardly. I always hate when people say that at the front, but it's true. Um, push into what God has already said. Question it. Dig into it. Negotiate. Don't establish your terms and expect him to fall into line with them, but actually engage with him. Whether you do it in fear or in boldness, it's better than nothing, actually. God is your friend. And he's given you these ways of communicating with him so he can share his plans and his ideas and his strategies with you. The other challenge is, if you're the person who's saying, God, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. Blow my mind. Give me more of you. I want to ask you, have you positioned yourself so that you need to see God's glory? Have you stepped out so far that you're like, I can't go any further without seeing some glory happen? Is it in your, in your mind, in your habits, in your family, in your relationships? What's the next kind of comfort zone you need to exit? What's the one thing in your family, relationships, mind, workplace, whatever it is that makes you think, oh, send somebody else? Start with that. Secondly, I want to affirm you. 
Are you crying out, save somebody else, God? Whether you, just because you can't be bothered, or because you're afraid, because you don't feel eloquent or capable. If you're like, oh yeah, I'm a send somebody else sort of guy. I want to tell you that you are also a show me your glory person. You don't need to be made into a different person. You don't need to be made into the kind of person where it all becomes easy. You are already that person because God created you to be that person. You don't need to be a hero of the faith to learn that. So yeah, Moses was a hero of the faith. And he's a hero of the faith because he's friends with God, but so are you. He just got there first. The mark of friendship is negotiation, pushing to what God actually says. And you are a send somebody else person, but also a show me your glory person. God is inviting you to dangerously negotiate with him. Don't sit stagnant in your previous comfort zone, but be called deeper still. And allow him to show you his glory as he makes you, as he transforms you, glory into glory. I'd love it if you could stand now and I'm going to pray and then we're going to go into some sort of worship church thing. And I'm going to pray for myself and I'd love it if you could join me. I'd love it if you want to put your hands out to receive, or if you want to close your eyes, whatever you want to do. In fact, do close your eyes, because otherwise that makes it more comfortable. I'm going to pray for myself. I'd love it if you could join me and pray this over yourself, in your head, out loud, whatever, at the same time. God, I'm so aware that I am a send somebody else person. I'm so aware that there's things I don't want to do for you, there's things I don't want to give you. There's things that I'm scared of, that I'm not capable of. But I thank you that you have made me capable in you. That I am already a show me your glory person. That I do not need to become someone who finds everything easy. But that you have fearfully and wonderfully made me. To be both a send somebody else person and a show me your glory person. I thank you that you want to be friends with me. And I accept that now, God. I accept your friendship. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live within us and would you just highlight to us now, would you highlight in me the stuff that I'm not wanting to negotiate about, the stuff I'm not wanting to push into, the things I'm not wanting to see your glory in really, because it means that I'll need you more. In the silence, Holy Spirit, would you point that out to me? God, as I and everyone here goes into this week, would we take that challenge to negotiate with you? Would we take that affirmation that you are our friend and that you have made us all we need to be? That you look at us and you see who we are becoming. Would we catch more of a glimpse of that over the coming days, God? Thank you for people like Moses. Thank you that we can learn from him. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in me? I want to be better friends with you. Amen. Thanks, Your